You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. I know. Was he any good? I said. 103.9 FM LI News Radio presents the Weekend Crunch with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, for a new show of the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host. Speedy Petey. Remember, kill us in our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Speedy, what's up, man? Happy Sports Equinox. All four major sports finally playing on the same day. Happy Thursday night for Thursday Night Football and Major League Baseball playoffs, NBA, and NHL. And it'll happen again on Saturday and Sunday. What a week. Week in sports with the Yankees, the Jets four and two, the Giants five and one, and the Knicks starting, the Islanders two and two, and the Rangers three and one, moving in the right direction for New York sports, except the Yankees, of course. So the Yankees down 2-0, Aaron Boone complaining about the Astros opening their roof, and that hurt him. I think it was a lot to do with the umpires. In game number one and game number two, the strike zone was all over the place as we had a very special guest and he gave us some interesting information about how bad game number one was for the New York Yankees and the umpires that were just absolutely horrendous for the New York Yankees against the unbelievable firepower of the Houston Astros. We will get into the Elijah Moore situation, requesting a trade officially ruled out versus the Broncos. Robert Sala came out and pretty much said why he's ruling him out. He didn't know the game plan. He's been away from the team for the last 24 to 48 hours. Another player that we've been waiting to see this year for the New York Jets, Denzel Mims. Another guy that was requesting a trade before the season started, will get his opportunity to prove himself this weekend. Christian McCaffrey traded to the 49ers for a two, a third, a fourth, and next year's fifth round 2024 pick. San Francisco will have no draft this year. They put all their eggs in one basket. Hopefully that basket brings them a Super Bowl finally, because if it doesn't, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch will be looking for a job. Three for all picks of the week, as I am just to Destroying the speedster. Moneyline Mania, Chaz, and our new friend, Paolo, who will be joining us from Greece. The Knicks and Nets start the season, so we'll recap their first games. And Rangers, Islanders, about to start their war on Wednesday. I will be at the UBS Arena, as the Rangers and the Islands, only time this year, will be playing at the UBS Arena. All the ladies and gentlemen that had the opportunity to watch the game before our show, the Islanders and Lightning. I'm sure you have your own thoughts about what happened. We'll get into all the craziness in hockey. Why don't we get into it? I know a lot of Yankee fans are sitting here today and they're not very happy. I wouldn't be happy. And I know everybody's trying to find an excuse right now on why they're losing in this series. But there's only one reason why on the reason why they're losing. And that's because they can't hit a lick. And maybe it's because of the umpiring, because it's been absolutely horrendous. I will not excuse what they have done so far in Houston, because it's 
uncalled for. And even though they're not getting the strike zone and they're not getting the calls, this is still one of the best offensive teams in the MLB. And to go into Houston and looking as bad as they have been so far in this series, especially in game number one with 17 strikeouts, and then game number two, there was 12. It's just embarrassing how many strikeouts from the New York Yankees. And the whole Bader situation with Aaron Boone, Bader didn't know that he was hitting leadoff in game number two. I don't know what's going on with the Yankees, and there's a disconnect with this team right now. But... Baseball definitely have to look at the umpires in game number one when Justin Verlander was on the mound. Tyone, who is a strikeout pitcher, over, I think, 150 strikeouts in four and a half innings, didn't have one strikeout. That is alarming. Horrible umpire play. Aaron Boone should not be complaining about the Astros' roof being open. I think that is a ridiculous argument. But he has something to argue about with the umpires. Now, if he does do that, he's probably going to be fined by the MLB. The Yankees are trying to find something. They're pulling straws right now trying to figure out what is the reasoning behind on how bad they have played in the first two games in the series. This Yankee team is going to be looked at if they don't win this series. What was the season like after all the greatness of Aaron Judge breaking the home run record, almost winning a triple crown? And this Yankee team, which in the second half of the season was just absolutely horrendous, came back and played so well. The Yankees made a couple of trades that hopefully was going to transition his team with Frankie Montez and Harrison Bader, which everybody was complaining about. It's been remarkable what he has done so far in the playoffs. He's probably been the best Yankee, but it's just been crazy. I'm still worried about this team going into game four. I'm starting to worry about where this organization is after this season if they don't get out of this ALCS. First of all, I want to shout out Mike Pinto, who is the guest we had on on Thursday. Chief Operating Officer for a independent baseball league team called the Southern Illinois Miners that the ownership just had to sell. He sent us the graphic. Yes. Uh, Mike McChlinsky was the umpire behind home plate and Horrible. called strike accuracy 86% in that game, which is below the league average, and 93% overall consistency, which is also below the league average, and a .43 favored run differential for the Astros. What does that tell you? A lot of a missed lot. balls that were called strikes. It seems like the other thing that you were talking about, the trade deadline acquisitions that they're missing, is the one that was a big contact hitter, and that's Ben Intendi. A different spark in that lineup because the Yankees have a lot of power guys. Stanton's hit in the postseason, but still struck out a lot. Labor Torres hit in certain points of the postseason, but he struck out a lot. Aaron Judge has struck out a ton. Ben Intendi was supposed to be that guy at that trade deadline, and DJ LeMahieu, who's also still out with the foot injury, is the other guy that's supposed to be a very good contact hitter for them, and that's still being lacked from the Yankees. You talk about all this power, run-scoring prowess, but they still have had this problem when it comes to a postseason identity. The starting pitch exactly has been pretty good. Garrett Cole's had his best postseason so far with the Yankees. Nestor Cortez has looked good. It hasn't trouble. been their starting pitching. It's been their bullpen. The lineup. When you watch this team, you wonder if they're playing with a bunch of crypt keepers. It's <laughs> Halloween, so maybe they're playing with a bunch of dead people because I don't know what is going on with this Yankee team. Well, their bats are being haunted. And that has a lot to do with maybe the umpires. But it also has to deal with their approach at the plate. You say the approach at the plate. How are you supposed to have an approach at the plate when you don't know what the strike zone is? Most of the strikes ones that they were Below the at. knees. Yeah. I think the Yankees still are on a long swinging approach, and I've said that's been a problem for them in previous postseasons. Even when they do swing. You talked about it last week with Cleveland. Like, they were getting good contact hits in addition to staying alive in the count with two strikes. The Yankees really aren't doing that. I understand some of the looking strikeouts. Most of the bad strikeouts have come on looking. The approach. That's 
on them, not on the umpires exclusively. The umpiring is really bad, especially in that game one, late in the game, six through nine innings. But some of it is also the Yankees' approach. But also, back to Aaron Boone, it takes three hours to change the roof before a game. It's not something they changed in the seventh inning just because Aaron Judge was off the plate. That's not manipulation. Nice try, Aaron Boone. Please come on with this Josh Donaldson thing, yes. too. He is absolutely horrendous. This offseason, the Yankees need to find a third baseman or move DJ LeMayu to third base because I don't want to see any more of Josh Donaldson. I've seen enough of Josh Donaldson. I want to throw up every time Josh Donaldson is up. How many times did we see Justin Verlander just throw a 97-mile-per-hour fastball right down the middle and Josh Donaldson couldn't even smell it? Every time he swung at it, it felt like there was going to be a hurricane. That's how bad it was. He's horrendous. Move kind of Falefa over to third base. I'd rather watch him at least put contact on the ball and give them a chance to even score a run or maybe get lucky that it squeaks past the third baseman or the second baseman and gives the Yankees a chance to getting a run. Josh Donaldson can't even put contact on the ball. I want to hear about his double in game number two. Who cares? I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to see it anymore. Right now, the Yankees need to figure out how to put wins on the board and figure out how to get back in Houston, either up 3-2 to two or down 3-2 to two and trying to win those last two games in Houston, which they haven't done all season long. The Yankees have had problems winning games in Houston. In this series, I blame the umpires because in game number one, they had a chance to win that game. Before the Schmidt thing, it was just 1-1. The Yankees had a chance to win. They just can't score runs. They need to figure out how to score runs early in these games if they plan to beat Houston. They have to pull off a Washington Nationals World Series comeback that they had. They won all four games in Houston when Houston at home field, and the Yankees will have to do that. Speaking of the ex-National, Bryce Harper is up 2-1 to one against the Padres. My surprise team going into the playoffs is Philadelphia. If Philadelphia gets out of this series, do I think Philadelphia can knock off the Yankees or Houston? Absolutely. I I don't know what's going on with this team, but the belief in Thompson as the manager, this rotation has been unbelievable. And I'm not talking about Zach Wheeler, Nola, and Suarez, Gibson. Gibson. Everybody is pitching well for this team right now, and they're getting runs from players that you wouldn't expect in this lineup. It's not the Bryce Harpers of the world, or it's Castellanos, Schwarber. It's the guys that you wouldn't expect giving you the runs. This is a team that was really built not for this year. It was built to be a winner, hopefully, more sooner than later, after starting the season with Joe Girardi, now adding Thompson, bench coach for the Philadelphia Phillies, one of Joe Girardi's good friends, and now you're seeing what's the difference when you add a different manager, a different voice in a locker room. It's really been unbelievable, and why not Philadelphia this year? An organization that's been craving a championship since the 2000s, when they were dominant and they lost against the Yankees in 2009. It's unbelievable. It's really fun to watch right now. Weird, too, because Phillies are kind of the opposite of what you see with the team building now in baseball, too. You look at a team like the Braves that have been building young players, making great trades, the model consistency, great contracts. The Phillies, they spent a lot of money, and we were mocking it at the beginning of the season, how bad their position player defense was, and we've seen teams get eluded by that in the postseason that looked like better defensive teams. The Phillies really have been stellar defensively. Had a couple errors in Game 3 of the Padres series, but beyond that, that was their first ones all postseason. Their bullpen is not great, which in a depth pitching era, you would think expect to have something. It's not like they're even having their starters come out of their bullpen a lot, either. Syndergaard did once, I think Gibson did once, but that was it. They're really just doing it on kind of raw starting pitching and just great lineup depth. It's kind of a counterculture to what we've seen of the way teams are building now, and it's one of the scrappier teams that we've seen since the Nationals winning in 2019. They're probably a little more talented overall in the Nationals, but it's a similar kind of underdog storyline, a managerial change that's really sparky. I think that's the only reason why this is going on right now. They believe in Thompson. Everybody is 
is buying in. When you want to win a championship and you're ready to win, look at the Jets right now. They're buying into Robert Sala. Dable has the Giants, the lonely Giants. Nobody would have thought would be 5-1 today. Why? Not because of talent, because they believe in their coach. You need a belief that no matter how talented your team is, you can go out there on any given Sunday just like you can go out there in any playoff game and knock off the better team. When we come back, we're going to get into the New York Jets. They're playing great football. And then this week, a player of Elijah Moore's gratitude, complaining that he's not seeing the ball enough and saying that he wants to be traded and trying to force his way out of New York. Robert Sala has his own words for that. So does Joe Douglas, that Elijah Moore will be a Jet. There's no way they're trading him. So we'll get into that. Christian McCaffrey gets traded to the 49ers here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. You can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. All eight on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Football here in New York is just stupendous. My New York Jets has a winning record. The New York Jets are 4-2. and two. And the New York Jets going into this week, you should be very excited. You should be feeling the pump. We have a stud running back in Brees Hall. You have a good young wide receiver in Garrett Wilson. You have an offensive line glued up together. Elijah Vera Tucker, you can move him on any part of that line. Right guard, left guard, left tackle, right tackle. This man can play any position. So far, everything has worked for Robert Sala. He's taking receipts, ladies and gentlemen. Or is he? Because he's going to be taking a lot more receipts for some of his players. Because Elijah Moore, 72 hours ago, was posting cryptic things on Twitter. First, saying that he loves his teammates. Then saying some interesting things about his playing time, his plays, and why doesn't he touch the ball, and he should be seeing more throws thrown his way, and he doesn't want to throw his team under the bus, and he doesn't want to be selfish, which he's been for the last 72 hours. And then, 48 hours ago, he reached out to the New York Jets in the organization and said he wants to be traded. A 23-year-old wide receiver who's been in the league for a year and a half. Last year, barely was healthy. Played 11 games. Had a decent season. A little bit over 500 yards. Five touchdowns. Did decent for a first-year rookie wide receiver. The Jets draft Garrett Wilson. They bring in tight ends and Conklin and C.J. Osuma. Brees Hall has been the guy. But he's not even touching the ball a lot. He's touching the ball 15, 20 times a game. And he's getting over 100 yards. He's giving them a touchdown. Acrobatic. You don't hear Michael Carter crying about that. But Elijah Moore, the selfish player that he is came out and is attacking the way this offense is playing. And if I was Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson's one of his good friends. When they were drafted in the same draft, they built chemistry. What are you going to say to Zach right now when you're telling the New York Jets to trade you because you didn't see the ball enough? Zach Wilson, since he's been back, is 3-0. and Now, when Joe Flacco was the quarterback in the beginning of the season, he throws the ball more. He also throws more interceptions by doing that. Winning football games is all about efficiency. Zach threw 114 yards last week, but he won the game. Winning is the most important thing trying to make the playoffs. 
And young players forget that. Now, there's a lot of veterans right now in that locker room. Vinny Curry, who's coming back, he had a blood problem last year. He played very well in his first game against Green Bay. Carl Lawson, this defensive line, which started off very slow, has become beastly. Arguably one of the best defensive lines in the last three weeks in football. Everything is clicking for this team right now. You got two stud corners that are stopping everybody. The best of the best wide receivers. But no, Elijah Moore has nothing good to say about what he has seen on the field. And when he does, and he's so happy, he's all worried about himself and his selfish way of playing this game of football. And it seems like for a while he was dealing with some family matter. And if he is, uh, sending condolences, prayers, whatever. Absolutely. But that still doesn't mean you should be tweeting. If you want to take some time off to go visit your family, then... Take the time off. Don't be tweeting all these random things about your teammates, about the team culture, about the coaches. That makes you look bad. Saying it out loud making it look bad. When the Jets are 4-2 and two, on a three-game winning streak, you have a rookie running back that's playing very well. Lights out. Very efficient. This was his first game he got 20 carries, and the previous ones he still had 100 yards. That is the mark of hyper-efficiency. Your target share, if you're going to complain about that, this was the first time you had none in that game, which is a game-planning thing. The Jets game-planned well against the Packers' weaknesses and won the game by double digits because of that. Before that, you had a game of nine targets against the Bengals. You had a game of seven targets. Yeah, you want to say Garrett Wilson got more. Yeah, a couple double-digit ones early in the season. Garrett Wilson hasn't gotten great target share either recently. Six, four, and five the last three games. And you don't hear him complaining. You're winning right now, so it's clearly what they're doing is working. Now, at the same time, I'm not going to leave Mike LaFleur off the hook either, because Mike LaFleur I think has misused Elijah Moore. He's better in the slot. A lot of his big games in the second half of the season when he came back from injury, playing mostly out of the slot. Not that he's not capable of outside. I would say Mike LaFleur has to make some adjustments with that. I don't think he will get traded. I think they're just going to need to ease him back into the game plan. Get him targeted, not massively, like a six-target game, and see how he plays. You have to get open yourself. You have to earn it yourself, though, Elijah Moore. A little more than you've done this season, only 203 yards. Christian McCaffrey is going to be playing for the San Francisco 49ers as they trade away their whole life savings this year's draft. Second, third, and fourth as they gave up their number one for their star young quarterback and Trey Lance out for the regular season. I don't know what this team's going to be in the next three years when it comes to young players. Go ask the Rams how they feel about that. They did win a Super Bowl so maybe this will bring them a Super Bowl because if it doesn't, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan will be looking for a job at the end of this season. They need to win the Super Bowl this year, especially what they have given up. And Christian McCaffrey to this offense. You have Debo Samuel, Mitchell coming back. This team could be so fun to watch offensively and we don't know when this offensive line is going to be whole again because because losing Williams for a significant amount of time, this guy has been the best left tackle in football for the last three years. Even when he was on Washington, Washington let him go. He had concussion problems. He also had that uh, misdiagnosed cancer treatment with their medical staff, which makes the commanders look really bad. When Williams comes back, that offensive line could be as good as it was before he was hurt. This hasn't been the same offensive line since he's been gone. You had him and you had a running game this prolific. Forget it. Yes, I believe they can win. And with Jimmy Garoppolo, they had no chance with Trey Lance. They have a chance right now. Jimmy's done it before. He's been to a Super Bowl. He's been to an NFC title game. This is a guy that knows how to find a way to win. He's not efficient in the playoffs. He's not Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, the Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers. He's not any of those guys. And by the way, those guys haven't been in the Super Bowl for the last past year. And they're in a division right now with Matthew Stafford and the Rams that are just really not the same team they were in the Super Bowl last year. So yeah, I think San Francisco can make a run. The question is, how much does this 
help this offense? There's two things that'll definitely help Christian McCaffrey individually. One is being in that kind of offense, he's not going to have that same level of a workload that could wear him out with injuries because he's had injury problems the last two years. And Kyle Shanahan's going to be able to use him creatively. This is a heavy motion offense. This is great with yards after the catch. And Christian McCaffrey as a receiving back is the best in the league because of that. He's very good at creating separation and routes after the catch. Also, I think it'll end up helping versatility. You already have somebody in Debo Samuel who's very versatile as a wide receiver. Now you have a running back that's also very versatile. And Elijah Mitchell could still be on the field at the same time, too. He's a good runner. Kittle that's versatile. Kyle Juszczyk's very versatile. A creative offense now. And Christian McCaffrey was kind of a piece they didn't really have of anyone else in that mold. Now, you're right about Jimmy Garoppolo. He's been off at times in the fourth quarter of playoff games. But they don't need him to be those types of quarterbacks to be able to do that with this types of weapons. They just have to make the right decisions and get these guys open in motion. I agree with you. It was a lot to give up. I expected maybe a two and maybe a five. But maybe thought the Rams or the Bills, one of those teams, was going to be aggressive. I don't know what draft picks the Rams have to do that. But there was reports that they were interested. Nevertheless, we've seen John Lynch get over aggressive at times too. But if this one doesn't work out, definitely could be costly for him because we've seen him make some big swings both with contracts and trades. We're going to go into a three-for-all picks of the week. And guess who is making their first appearance in the three-for-all picks of the week? Despite no Elijah Moore, the New York Jets against the Denver Broncos. The over-under for this game, 38. I'm going to take the Jets even if Russell Wilson did play. I still do not trust a lot of things with this offense. Outside of Sutton, the rest of the wide receivers have been kind of underwhelming this year. Nathaniel Hackett, offensive play style is just atrocious. And guess who's starting at running back? Mr. Fumble himself, Melvin Gordon. The Jets' front seven has been very good against the run this year. Much improved from where they were last year. Offensively, I think they'll still be able to run the ball well. Broncos have had trouble against the run despite having a great pass defense. I'm going to take the Jets in this game, even without Elijah Moore, on the under. Melvin Gordon was the same Melvin Gordon that Nathaniel Hackett decided to take out against his former team. That shows you how much he trusts Melvin Gordon. I don't think Melvin Gordon is going to touch the ball that much in this game. It's going to be all throwing. Ripken, you know, Quentin Williams is going to be lurking behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I got the Jets in this game. I think they're going to be able to score. You might see Denzel Mims in this game. I think the Jets are going to use him in the open field with his size, his ability. I expect him to turn up a decent game and prove to people why the Jets are making a mistake not playing him. This will be a game for Garrett Wilson. I think the Jets will use him in the open field, even though the secondary is one of the best secondaries in football. I believe the Jets will be able to get the ball to him in the slot. So give me the Jets on the under. All right, let's debut another new team, the Atlanta Falcons against the Cincinnati Bengals. The over-under for this one is 47 and a half. I think this game will be a lot closer than people expect. I'm going to take the Bengals at home. A lot of field goals. Both these red zone offenses had a lot of trouble. Kyle Pitts will be well contained. I think Drake London is a nice game. No Cordero Patterson. I think it'll hurt against a Bengals team that struggled against the run the last couple of weeks. I think Jamar Chase gets contained, but I think it's another like the Jets. I think you'll see a Tyler Boyd game. So I think the Bengals win it close. I'll take them on the under. Yeah, I got the Bengals in this game. I can't see Joe Burrows going into a game against the Atlanta Falcon team, which has played very well. They're growing. The coach is figuring out what their strengths and what their weaknesses are. They have to try to include Kyle Pitts. It's horrendous when you have a talented player like this, and he's not seeing the ball. I believed he was the best tight end going into the season. He's not even the seventh best tight end right now in football. Maybe he has a good game. I don't know if he will against his defense. Yeah, I got the Bengals in this game. I'm going to take them on the under, too. Speaking of Christian McCaffrey, his San Francisco 49ers hosting the Kansas City Chiefs, the over-under, 49. I'm going to take the 49ers in the upset here. I was going to actually take them even regardless of Christian McCaffrey. I actually think they match up well against this Chiefs team. The Chiefs have been very good defensively this year. The one thing they've had an issue with has been the yards after the catch. You saw Buffalo definitely expose that last week. Even the Raiders exposed that. I think the Niners really get that going. Their pass rush against the Chiefs offensive line, that's very good. I think it'll be a tougher matchup for them, and I think they could stop the run. 
fun. Niners win this. Both tight ends get well contained in this one despite being superstars. I'm going to take them on the under. I don't know if this is going to be on the under because Kansas City is going to have to score with this defense. So I think it's going to be a fun game. I like San Francisco in this game. San Francisco on the over. High scoring, but also it's going to come down to defense at the end of the game. And I think San Francisco has the better defense. Nick Bosa will play in this game. I think he'll cause havoc in the fourth quarter and cause a fumbleina to your Patrick Mahomes. I think it's going to be fun this weekend. Could be a lot of surprises. Maybe the Jets do lose this game against the Broncos. It would be a complete bad loss for the Jets because they're playing such good football right now. And Russell Wilson isn't healthy. When we come back, we're going to bring in a New York Giant beat writer. We haven't spoken about the Giants, but now we are. Because we will be talking to elite sports New York Giants and NFL writer Ryan Honey here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Mark, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the Worldwide Sports Radio app and go on to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's after 10.30, after the Islander game, so we're happy to be here. We're happy to entertain you guys. Talking sports here in Long Island, New York, and the faces and the voices of sports and radio. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we will get into the Giants, and why not get in with the Giants with one of their beat writers. We're very happy to have him for the first time on the Weekend Crunch. We are now talking to Elite Sports. New York Giants NFL writer Ryan Honey Bunny. I'm just kidding. It is Honey. What's up, Ryan? How are you? Guys, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Your Giants are 5-1. and one. They're one of the yeah. hottest teams in the NFL right now. Before we get into that, how are you and your family doing from COVID, now long gone? Yeah, doing great. I live in the city right now. My parents are back uh, more upstate New York, so doing fine. My dad's a teacher. My sister is also a teacher. Wow. My dad got sort of the that for a year, had to be sometimes in, sometimes out, mm-hmm. doing virtual and a mess at times. But yeah, doing well. Yeah, can't ask for much more. Well, that's always good. So why don't we get into your Giants. Are you surprised that the Giants are 5-1 and one going into week 7? Yeah, how could you not be? I remember writing an article like 5 months ago saying that they could be contenders for the number 1 overall pick. I thought they were winning 3-4 games somewhere around the range of what they won last year. I thought the coaching staff situation was obviously better. When you could see it through 6 games, it's light years better. I mean, Joe Judge's team loses to that Ravens by 20. It doesn't come <laughs> close to beating Green Bay out in London. Joe Judge was still the coach. That team's not 5-1. and one. They're more towards the 2-4 and four range. I knew the coaching staff was going to be better, but they still had the same pieces on offense, still dealing with the Kenny Galladay tenure, the Kadarius Tony tenure, who knows when those are actually going to start. Daniel Jones has his limitations, though. And I thought the defensive backfield was just so young that Wink Martindale was not going to be able to rely on that unit when utilizing his exotic blitz packages, especially with James Bradbury. They had to give up in the offseason. Same with Logan Ryan, Jabril Peppers. It is the shock of the year thus far. I know everyone loves that the Jets are 4-2. and two. I know that everyone expected, especially with Wilson coming back, you know, with Zach under center. The Giants are the shock of the league thus far. Much bigger shock than Philly. Philly was a good team last year. Philly has a good roster. Philly has a good coach. I think the Giants being 5-1 and one is a much bigger surprise. I'm not shocked at the Giants. I am shocked that they're 5-1 and one right now, but yeah. I had the Giants winning 8 or 9 games this year. Their schedule is very easy. Yeah. NFC East 
schedule. The Dallas Cowboys, they have a good defense, but you don't know what they are offensively. The Eagles are a good team. Washington Commanders, you could win both of those games. If you win one game against the Cowboys and two games against the Washington Commanders, that's three wins right there. Look at what the Giants have coming up right now. They have Seattle. They have the Texans. They have the Jaguars. The Giants could be going in their bye week 8-1. What's funny is like they have these four games coming up, Jacksonville, Seattle, Texans, and Lions, and even if they just go 2-2 and in that stretch, you're still looking at a 7-3 and team. And that's why I think even six weeks in, this team's got to start thinking about playoff aspirations, especially in that conference, which is so much weaker than the AFC. They could have the best record in the NFC. The way their <laughs> schedule is. Could you imagine the Giants end the season with the best record and having full home field advantage? It's not just these four games coming up. They still have twice you got to play the commander. You don't know their quarterback situation. You don't know their head coach situation. I think Ron Rivera is on the hot veering seat. No towards question. the exit sign with every loss. I don't get how they can roll the dice with him over the next couple of years. If only they had a guy like the guy in Minnesota. Who's oh, Zimmer? The quarterback in Minnesota. If only they had a guy like oh, him. Oh, 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 yes, exactly. Also the coach in Minnesota, too, who used to he- who would be yeah. on the Washington staff. That great staff of Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, and Kevin O'Connell all were with Washington at some point. Mike McDaniel as well. Wow, okay, I didn't even realize yeah. that. You're going to see that graphic every time. Instead, you get Dan Snyder's dysfunction. So uh, my question is about the defense in particular because we knew they had the edge rushers, the rest of the team getting patched together that all those bad contracts. What have been your impression so far of some of the young defensive players? Sunday's game, that's why they drafted Kayvon Thibodeau. That's why they used the number five overall pick on Kayvon Thibodeau. So he made makes clutch late game plays such as the strip sack of Lamar Jackson that sealed the deal. He's been great ever since coming back from injury. I know he missed the first couple of games. Micah McFadden is stepping up, especially after the shocking release of Blake Martinez. And I know Micah McFadden might get pushed for playing time moving forward, especially with Jalen Smith now in the mix. You got these young defensive backs. I mean, this defensive backfield is coming together. That unit has impressed me so much since week one, because that was what Giants fans were scared of, was the inexperience in that unit, especially when Wink Martindale is going to be relying on them to run man coverage week in and week out so he can use his blitz packages. That's a unit, especially with guys, young guys like Dane Belton, Xavier McKinney's only in year three. He's already looking like a star. Adoree Jackson is playing his best football. Fabian Moreau is really taking advantage of the opportunity he has, especially in the absence of Aaron Robinson. So the young guys on that defense are really coming together and they're so well coached. The Julian Love interception against Baltimore. I remember uh, a couple days ago on the Zoom call with Brian Dable and some of the players, O'Shane Zimenez had said that he was lining up over the left guard. He went to go rush the passer. Once he saw the snap over Lamar's head, he knew he wasn't catching him. So he peeled back in coverage. And if Love didn't make that play on the ball, Zimenez likely would have deflected it for an incompletion. That's what good coaching does where you could set these players up and you could teach these players how to succeed and how to produce even when the play goes off script. That's something that Joe Judge missed and Jason Garrett missed the last couple of years (laughs) is being able to succeed when you have to ad-lib. And so just watching O'Shane Zimenez and hearing O'Shane Zimenez talk about how he ad-libbed that play and was able to almost make a play if Love didn't, that's Wink Martindale right there. And that's all Wink Martindale has done for the first six weeks, done a tremendous job. And that defense is one of the more impressive units when you look at the amount of talent and just the inexperience in and around that unit. We are talking to Elite Sports, New York Giants, and NFL writer Ryan Honey. I'm looking at the Giants' schedule right now. They have the Jaguars, the Seahawks, the Texans, the Lions, the Cowboys, the Commanders. They might not lose until the Eagles. I like Dable. I always liked him. I really wanted him to be the
the Jets coach before they got Robert Sala, but the Jets couldn't interview him because he was offensive coordinator for the AFC title game. And the Jets wanted to solve their problem at the coaching position, so they were sealing the deal with Robert Sala. But the Jaguars are not playing good football right now. The Seahawks, that's a game that could go either way. The Texans, they've been playing hard all season long. The Giants are better than they are. The Lions have been crap. The Cowboys, you just don't know. The Giants lost a game that they could have won. And then the Commanders, who are they? The Giants could win four of the next five games. Wins. to what I said before about the NFC. Even the teams who are supposed to be good in that conference are not playing well. Tom Brady and the Bucks just can't click. Aaron Rodgers, you see, couldn't even score any points against the Giants' fifth cornerbacks out in London. The 49ers, who knows what they are? Who knows what Jimmy G is? It's such a weak conference right now that I think the Giants, they have a very good opportunity, especially right now where it's still the sort of early part of the year moving towards midseason. Mm-hmm. Stack up wins now. So you're not trying to make up all this ground in December, January. Stack these wins up now so you could set yourself up for a good spot because if they go into week 13 with 11 wins, the next team in the NFC East could be the Cowboys with eight. They could go into week 13 up three games on the Cowboys. I would assume Philly's also there because Philly's another team that I don't know where do they lose. If the Giants make the playoffs, it's going to be as a wild card. They could go into week 13 with 11 wins. And even after that, they still have two games against Commanders. The Colts, I don't know why everybody was so high in the Colts going into this year. All they did was pick up Matt Ryan. I don't see much of a difference with Matt Ryan at his age versus Carson Wentz. Two games against the Eagles. I don't love those matchups. Philly has much more talent in my mind. And Minnesota's off to a great start. Kevin O'Connell's come in and all of a sudden they're 5-1. and one. You look at Minnesota with Kirk Cousins and that just like screams 8-8 eight and eight every single year. So the fact that they're already 5-1, and one, as long as you can win those couple of games, Vikings and Eagles, I think the Giants are set up pretty well. Vikings will be a hard matchup though because their only big weakness is corners with the Giants receivers. Do you trust them to be able to take advantage? Anyway, you have to look how lucky the Giants have been the last two weeks. Aaron Rodgers was on, what, the 15-yard line? He had two or three chances to close the deal in that game, and they blocked the ball back-to-back times. I mean, what are the chances that happened? And then Lamar Jackson, they're up 20-10 to 10 with six minutes left, and he dropped the ball twice. Cost the Baltimore Ravens a chance to win that game. A win is a win. It doesn't matter how lucky it is, but nobody in their wildest dreams would have thought that that just shows you that this could be a very special year for the Giants. Mm-hmm. Everything is falling right for them, and they believe in their coach. Everybody believes in their coach, including the press. They love him. He goes out there. He wears his Jordans. He goes up there. You see how happy he is when he walks off the field. He's like 300 pounds, and he's ready to do a cartwheel. He's just the younger version of Andy Reid. He's just fun to watch, mm-hmm. and he's the quarterback whisperer. Everybody keeps talking about North turnover the years. This guy, you saw what he did with Josh Allen, and you could see what he's doing with Daniel Jones. I believe you see the growth of what Daniel Jones has been this year. He's going to be even better next year. Get ready, Giant fans. This guy is going to be your quarterback of the future. I believe Dable will fix this kid and he'll turn him into, I wouldn't say an elite quarterback, but a top 12 quarterback in the NFL. And you can win. Yeah, he doesn't need to be an elite quarterback. The comparison is going to be Josh Allen because Dable helped develop. He doesn't need to be that type of elite quarterback. He already has similarities to Josh Allen. I know with the arm strength and the mobility, but he doesn't need to be a all pro quarterback. What he needs to do, they need to find a pass game. I understand they've relied on defense. They've relied on Saquon Barkley and that's gotten them five wins in six weeks. That's not what's going to win them games in January and potentially February. They need to develop a pass game. Is that all on him, on Jones? Not entirely, because they don't have anybody to throw to. Galladay can't stay on the field. Shepard's out for the year. Shepard's probably played his last down as a giant. Tony can't stay on the field, so now you're resorted to Darius Slayton, who you basically buried on the depth chart the entire preseason. Richie James, David Sills, Wando Robinson's a rookie. I mean, he emerged last
last week, but who knows with him, like he could turn out to be a bust just as much as he could turn out to be a star. They need guys he can throw to. That's why I think Giants fans should be excited about next year if they bring Jones back is because if this team can win games right now with this roster, think of what they'll be able to do when they actually have cap space and resources next offseason that they didn't have this past offseason to build a contender. They had zero money in the offseason. They couldn't do anything with it, and they had so many holes on the roster, and they couldn't fix any of them. They barely have any now. Christian McCaffrey is going to the 49ers for picks. Two, three, and four this year. They're just throwing away their picks. And a fifth next year. Good for him and good for the Panthers. Because I think honestly, the Panthers got very good getting, value with that. If they thought they were going to get multiple firsts for Christian McCaffrey, no way. No, that wasn't going to happen. A lot of the injuries he's had. I thought it might have been like a two and a five. I didn't think it was going to be anything more than right. that. That sucks for a lot of their running backs because Christian McCaffrey is going to be taking the tail end of that running game. All mm-hmm. the other guys that they have over there that have been running the ball pretty well are no longer going to be touching the Paul, they also have Mitchell. He loses the number one carries. Now you're moving him to two. He's going to be getting more like goal line carries at this point. If I was Elijah Mitchell, I wouldn't be happy with that. He's been injured all season long. He's going to come back and then he's going to have to deal with with Christian McCaffrey now. The 49ers are trying to win now. The young quarterback's out and Jimmy Garoppolo. This could be the last year Jimmy is there. So they're going to try Mm -hmm. to do everything they can to win. But let's say Jimmy wins this year. What are they going to do? Are they going to sign him? Are they going to decide to move Trey Lance as the Jordan love of the 49ers, you can't get mm-hmm. rid of a quarterback that he's taking you to an NFC title game, he's taking you to a Super Bowl and now he wins a Super Bowl for you and he's still fairly young. Are you going to part ways with him? I wouldn't. I have this conversation like every single week with my podcast co-host, Robbie. I don't want to say I'm fully pro Jimmy Garoppolo but I just didn't understand in the offseason why they were so quick to just name Trey Lance the starter. Mm. They won. If Jimmy Garoppolo just wins one more game last year there wouldn't have been a debate this offseason. He would have went to the Super Bowl, and even if he didn't win it, there wouldn't have been a debate as to who is the 49ers starting quarterback this year. With Jimmy G, I think they just go back to the playoffs. It's anybody's game. Because I think Jimmy G works in that system. I think he's proven to work in that system. I think the only thing that has really set him back on a macro level is inability to stay healthy. But the two years in which he's been under center for the majority of the year, they went to the Super Bowl and they went to the NFC Championship. He's a top 10 quarterback in this league. You cannot argue that when you've been to an NFC title game and you've been to a Super Bowl. You're a top 10 quarterback. Maybe his numbers don't show that. You don't need numbers to do that. Look at Zach Wilson. He's 3-0. Is his numbers appear off the board? Josh Allen's did in his second year and Josh Allen was still being considered not as an elite quarterback, but a good quarterback. Next year, you expect Zach Wilson to take three steps forward like you're seeing this year. Jimmy Garoppolo, he is what he is, but he's a winner. It doesn't matter if he throws 300 yards, 230 yards. He finds a way to win those games. He's a born winner. I think he's a top 10 quarterback in this league. I don't know if I would agree if he's top 10 skill-wise, but I think when you have a quarterback, when you take system into consideration, I think that is a much better scenario, Jimmy Garoppolo in that system, than a lot of other teams are dealing with right now. Like, I take Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners over a bunch of other teams, especially in that conference right now. I think they're just going to go back to the playoffs. I don't know if they'll win that division. I think the Rams are still going to win that division and 49ers get a wild card. But with Garoppolo, I trust them to get back to the playoffs more than I trusted that I'm get to the playoffs with Lance. With Garoppolo, it's not a high ceiling, obviously. That's why they wanted to move off of him. But it's a high floor. You know what you're going to get out of him, and you know that he knows his system, and you could trust him in the system because you have before, and it's gotten you as far as the Super Bowl. You say it's not so, a high ceiling. If you have a chance to win the Super Bowl every single year with Jimmy Garoppolo, that's as high as the 
ceiling you, you need. I'm saying his type of play is yeah, a high ceiling. Yeah. It's not like the do-it-all type of quarterback that, say, Josh Allen is or a Lamar Jackson is. The system could get you deep into the playoffs, but I think, especially in the Super Bowl two years ago, especially in that NFC Championship last year, in those big moments, he's got to step up. More. I think what you're saying is more like they're more like the 2011 Giants where they have a better defense than that, more yeah. talent than defense, but they're going to win with their defense and their wide receivers helping out Eli Manning in that case because that was yeah. more of the case that year. And also with the offensive line injury San Francisco has too, very similar to that Giants team. Now the Niners are more talented. I'm comparing the scenarios. But I also think when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, you mentioned Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. Both guys never played in the Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo did. I understand when you say, well, he might not have the full-end talent of those two guys. You don't need it as a professional football player. You just need a guy that's going to give you 250 yards a game, two touchdowns thrown, and your running backs could do all the other work and your defense could keep it in the game, and you can win a Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson, nobody thought when he came from Louisville that he was going to be anything good. Yeah, he's gotten his team into the playoffs except one year, and this year it's kind of like back and forth what the Baltimore Ravens are. What has he won? One playoff game in his career. So no matter how talented he is when it comes to his legs and his throwing hard passes down the field, he hasn't won. Elite status shows me. Tom Brady, when he came into the league, he was a six-round draft pick. If you look at his body, you look at everything that he was as a player, he probably wouldn't be in the NFL right now if it wasn't for the Jets. The Jets knocked down Drew Bledsoe, which gave Tom Brady the opportunity to step on the field. Mo Lewis, I'll never forget it, made him step on the field, and it changed everything. It changed the whole outlook to the quarterback play. Now, if Drew Bledsoe never got hurt, maybe Tom Brady in that whole GOAT thing maybe never existed. It's just crazy how things could happen every single year. In football, every single year, it could transition. Look at the Jets. The Jets were horrible last year. The Jets had one of the hardest schedules in football, and everything has fallen right for them. They're playing quarterbacks that are second-string quarterbacks, even though the teams are good. The Giants, they had an easy schedule. Look at the Bengals. They went to the Super Bowl last year, and this year they're 3-3. and Burrow is not anywhere close to the quarterback he was last year. Justin Herbert, has he been as good as he was last year? No. Russell Wilson, is he the same quarterback he was from Seattle? No. Lamar Jackson, was he as good as he was last year? This year? No. Brady said in a press conference he goes there's a lot of bad football right now and he's right 22 teams 500 or worse the excitement level in college football is a lot higher than it's been than in the NFL this year there's a ton of bad football there's a ton of bad quarterback play to the point where a Daniel Jones led offense five and one Zach Wilson is three and oh since coming back from injury the Jets are getting breaks when it comes they had to face Jacoby Brissett Thompson Trubisky and the Jets are getting some breaks but at the same time I think the Jets are coming together offensively I think that can't be overlooked. The whole Elijah Moore thing. That'll cool down. Yeah. The Jets gave him a day. He's not getting traded. I don't know why he thinks that the Jets would just say, you know what, we're just going to trade you away. They're not just going to no throw way. him to the Wolves. This guy could be an elite wide receiver in this league. They're not just going to give him away. They have a pretty good wide receiver right now sitting without wearing a jersey in Denzel Mims. And you have a talented player like that you drafted a couple of mm-hmm. years ago in the second round, and he's not playing. No. Trade him if he's not playing. Get something for him. You might not get a lot back for him, but at least get a fourth the fifth because at the end of this year he's a free agent and you're going to lose him to free agency with the whole Elijah Moore thing he's a young kid he's upset right now it was one game where he didn't have any targets like that happens in every receiver's career you're going to have a game where it's like you're not really a factor at all in this three game stretch he's gotten targets this year it's not like he's Denzel Mims and he hasn't played a snap all of a sudden in year two so I think they got to give him a couple days to calm down I don't know if he's going to be a healthy scratch this Sunday I don't know if that teaches him a lesson they'll just give him the day to calm down as far as 
as the Jets' offense is concerned, I think we can't overlook their pieces coming together. Brees Hall has pretty much established himself as a lead dog in that backfield and maybe a potential pro bowler at the end of this year. I think Garrett Wilson is coming together. Just remember, he's only touching the ball like 15, 20 times. He's getting 100 yards. It's pretty remarkable. (laughs) I could have very much criticized Joe Douglas. We all could for trading up in the second round to draft a running back. Traded with the Giants, by the way. Meanwhile, we dropped a receiver that can't stay healthy. Joe Shane traded back twice. We never saw that during the Gettleman era except for the Kadarius Tony pick and then Shane drafted. That didn't work out well either. The Giants missed Devontae right. Smith by a pick. <laughs> and they the could have drafted ex- Rashawn Slater. The kid I wanted at 20 when they, they traded back was the Cleveland draft- linebacker Awusu. That would have been nice. They could have drafted no. Bruce oh, yeah. How many times could you remember that the Giants helped the Jets get a player that they wanted? The Jets traded him Leonard Williams, thank God, because I hated Leonard Williams. He's been decent Yeah, and now we're stuck with his money. Him and Galladay robbing everything. He makes his difference in the run defense game, but I think he's one of those guys where he might not be on the team next year just because of the financials. Plus, they're going to have I mean, to Lawrence, the, too. Some of the contracts Gettleman left them with. The Galladay one, they can't get out of until next offseason. There's no maneuver they could make from now until next offseason that benefits them in any single way. The cap hit is just too much. And Leonard Williams is one of those contracts where they're going to have to get rid of them, maybe extend them and spread out the cap. I was not a fan of that move when it was made three yeah. years ago when it was Leonard weird Williams came at the over. Time. Like, the Giants were being buyers at the deadline. And the Jets, I think, that year, they had that, like, hot streak right in the middle of the season where it seemed like, okay, they might be able to contend. Purged a lot of their other bad contracts outside of Tremaine Johnson. They could have given Leonard Williams maybe not that kind of money, but a little bit less than that and kept him at the time because that was mm-hmm. Quinn and Williams' rookie year and they didn't really have much else on the defense. So it seemed weird that they traded him and also seemed weird that the Giants were the team that took him in for that price. And the gift that Gettleman left to the Giants was Dexter Lawrence. Him and Daniel Jones could be the only ones on that roster next year because I think Saquon Barkley, as good a season he is having right now, he is probably going to be asking for big money in the offseason. They're not going to give it to him unless they franchise him and then trade him. If I were the Giants right now, being that he is having a great season, you can get a lot for him. I would trade him at the trade deadline. I would get as much as I possibly can for him because you could still win. Your schedule fares for you even without him. I understand what Giant fans are saying. Well, we can win. Are you really winning the Super Bowl this year even with Saquon Barkley? The answer is probably no. So I would get as much as I possibly can for right now. He is at a very high rate. He's playing great football right now. I would trade him. You could get a first-round draft pick right now for Saquon Barkley. Yeah, but you need to take into account the fact that his contract is running out. If they really want to prove that they're going to win now, you're 5-1 and one in this week conference. You got to start having playoff aspirations. Of course. And if they trade Saquon at the deadline, I don't think they're a playoff team because I think they're relying on him that much because the reason why this offense is put in a situation where he's winning these games is because of Saquon's success. It's not Daniel Jones throwing 300 yards a game. It's not Wando Robinson or Tony catching two touchdowns. That, that doesn't happen, nor has it. If they trade Saquon, that offense does not keep up for the rest of the year. I understand the running back position is not as high value position as it used to be, but I don't see guys like Matt Breida and Gary Brightwell making the difference that Saquon makes in the offense right now. They're running the offense through him. They go into every game with the game plan of running the offense through Saquon. If they could get a high draft choice for him, that's great. If they were 0-6, I would say, yeah, do it. The other but, scenario that would be ideal would be a team like the yeah. Rams. Ken Akers wants to be traded to, and Daryl Henderson, he's on his last year of his deal. Yeah. The Giants could take mm-hmm. one of those back if they wanted to swing for Saquon, but they don't have any draft picks. <laughs> they yeah. gave them all up. I'm surprised they didn't <laughs> trade for McCaffrey. Akers Listen, is going went, nowhere either. Too. If they were 0-6, I would have had my offseason blueprint for next offseason like mapped out already but since they're five and one I still have so many questions it's like do you extend Saquon if he's going to be that big a part of your offense when he was in the last couple of years because he was 
injured. I wouldn't. Do, what do you do? In the offseason, I would franchise him and then trade him and try to get as much as you can back for him. Drafting a running back in the top three, you have to be ready to win a championship, and they were not ready to win a championship. Gettleman made a big mistake. Now, has Saquon been a bust for the Giants? No. His first year was fantastic. His second year was all right. And then he got hurt, and he hasn't been healthy since then. What does he have? Three more good years in the NFL? If you trade him now at the trade deadline, maybe you could get a late first-round draft pick for him. If a team really wants him, and he's the missing link that could get a team over the hump like Buffalo, Buffalo, I would think, maybe would do that. But if you decide to hold on to him in the offseason and franchise him and then trade him, what are you going to get? A three for him? At the same time, who knows if they would even trade him at all. If they perceive Saquon as a big part of this offense even after this year, when he's going to have to sign a new deal, they're probably going to re-sign him. Because they're going to have the cap space too, and they're going to try to sign him to a team-friendly deal. Not too team-friendly. He's going to get some money. But Joe Shane is not going to want to absolutely break the bank for him and give him the type of contract that McCaffrey has. This is his last chance for a big contract. So he's yeah. going to want big money. And if he has like a year where he's 1,400 yards, he's going to be demanding a nice little purse. You're talking yeah. about maybe $30 million guaranteed for one of the top running backs in the NFL. He's got about one contract left for the prime of your career. Yes. Yeah, you're only going to get back. like the second contract and then you could get another contract after that but as far as your prime is concerned he's got about one contract left he's going to want that big money I think a lot of the questions that we have about what to do with Daniel Jones and what to do with Saquon is we need to see what these last 11 games entail and the playoffs mm-hmm. if they get there say they crap out the rest of the year they don't make the postseason or they just keep winning these are two very different scenarios when it comes to building a roster and fixing a roster in the offseason now I know they have all these draft picks and the cap space to get the guys that they want because they weren't able to do so this past offseason, they're going to get to a point where if Saquon stays healthy this year and he continues to produce, they're going to have to consider bringing him back and they're going to have to go into negotiation. If Saquon continues this success, they're going to at least have to entertain the idea of extending his contract. They can't just stop sign, it's over, you're done. They got to at least entertain the idea. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. At the end of the day, the running back position isn't as valued as it used to be. With his type of talent and what he's been able to do for this offseason just in this month and a half alone, you need to consider some move. It's going to be interesting. Could you imagine Dable next year when he actually has players that he can bring in and fit his offense? The Giants could be scary. It's been pretty easy for them that everything's falling together. And that's why I think this could be a jump start for Dable. Everybody's going to expect Dable next year. If they win 11 games this year, being that the schedule is a little easy this year, and next year they go into the season, they only win seven, eight games, Dable's going to have his head because every Giant fan believes this guy is the real deal. I think he is. I think he's the closest thing to Tom Coughlin that the Giants have had in a very long time. And I think he is the quarterback whisperer. And he's going to help Daniel Jones. He will get his fifth-year extension in the offseason. There's no way the Giants are walking away from it. They're not going to be able to get a top-10 quarterback this year. I absolutely (laughs) believe you're going to see a completely different Daniel Jones. Who's he throwing to right now? He's throwing to garbage. Could you imagine when he has somebody out there that can actually catch the ball? I really believe Daniel Jones is a really good quarterback. I always did. Richie James literally leads the Giants with 189 receiving yards. It's yeah. horrible. Richie course. James will probably see his role decline in the next couple of, of weeks because Slayton's playing a little bit more, which I literally said for weeks. I was like, can they at least just see what they can get out of Darius Slayton? Like, if all these guys are not going to be healthy, at least play him if you're using a roster spot on him. It's like the Jets with Mims. It's like, can you at least see what you can get out of him? If Elijah Moore is not going to be happy and you're going to have to I'm telling deal you, with that situation. I'm telling you right now, Denzel Mims is going to go somewhere next year. 
year, and I believe we're going to see a Pro Bowl player. He is too talented. He's six foot three, runs a four three. Can catch the ball. He's one, he has one of the best elevated jumps that we've seen come out of the combine. What the Jets are doing to him? I understand that he doesn't fit the offense. You should put him out there and let see what you have out there. The one or two preseason games that he played, he had over a hundred yards. Somebody's going to pick him up. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the Giants or just a team that could even just have a big bodied receiver. He's going to go something. somewhere, yeah. and he's going to be a yeah. star. And it pisses me off because he's a Jet. It annoys me why the Jets don't use him. It's amazing how young he is, too. Yeah. I feel like he's been in the league forever. I feel like we've been talking about, old. like, as far as, like, when is he going to play? And at least just see what you can get out of him. You're going to have him be a healthy scratch all the time? Why didn't you trade him in the offseason? Why didn't you trade him in preseason? He obviously wants to play. I'm not questioning his commitment or his work ethic or anything like that. I'm not questioning his talent either. Mm. See what you can get out of him. That's what the Giants needed to do for weeks with Darius Slayton, which is probably why you're going to see a little bit more of him moving forward. Giant fans thought that he was like another Odell Beckham. With it, guys. And by the way, Odell Beckham's been seen at the Giant practice facility. Landon Collins just signed with them. And I believe, I'm not going to be surprised if Odell Beckham re-signs with the Giants. The Giants are 8-1 and one or 7-2 and two in the next couple of weeks. Why wouldn't Odell Beckham want to go over there? He, you have a chance to go back to a place that everybody loved you. You were a god in New York. The crazy fans that would want to go and watch this guy play. I have a feeling he is going to be a Giant. Out of all the teams that we've heard, the Rams, Buffalo, there is a reason why he's been seen at the practice facilities for the last couple of weeks. He plans to, when he is 100% healthy, to sign with the Giants. It is the first time since the Odell Browns trade that a reunion with the Giants has made sense. You could see it with these guys, with Collins and potentially Odell. It's different now because Gettleman's not there anymore. They didn't have a problem with the Giants, especially with Collins. He didn't have a problem with the Giants. He had a problem with Gettleman. He said he wanted to stay. Gettleman didn't want him. I believe Collins recently said he wants to retire as a Giant. It's a different scenario. They're not coming back to Dave Gettleman's Giants. It's a new era. The Landon Collins signing makes sense. If he can fit in that defense as more of a hybrid safety linebacker, that's great. He was great when he was here. And I know the injuries have taken a toll on him the past couple of years when he was with Washington, but I was more upset as a Giants fan seeing Collins leave than Odell. Just because of the impact Collins made on that defense for a number of years before he left. So I think that's a great addition to the practice squad. You'll he might see, be active this week. James, James Betcher ruined him. Yeah. <laughs> I like that kid Bellinger too. He's good. He's good down in the red zone too. He steps up in the big moments because they weren't supposed to be a heavy tight end usage offense right. going in, but when you have no receivers, you have no choice. The Giants haven't had a good tight end offense statistical season since that one year of Martellus Bennett. Oh, yeah, in 2012, yeah. yeah. Or like the Larry Donnell years where they oh, were just right. going him and Will Ty. <laughs> Those are two names I haven't heard in a while. <laughs> Those are name drops, yeah. yeah. It's fantastic. Ryan, thank you for joining us, Elite Sports New York Giants and NFL writer. Tell the fans how they can find your social media. Follow me on Twitter at Ryan Honey, E-S-N-Y. Listen to, subscribe to the Wide Right Podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, basically wherever you get your podcasts. Find all of our articles for Giants, Jets, all sports on EliteSportsNY.com. We really appreciate you, and we'll have you on again before the season is over. Maybe we see the Jets and the Giants in the playoffs this year. It's crazy. I I don't think the Jets are playoff-bound yet. Their schedule is so hard. Their schedule gets easier in the second half of the season. If they win this week, they could beat the Patriots. They could be going in, playing Buffalo 6-2, and and have a chance before their bye week to be the number one team in the AFC. It is. Wild time for New York football. Three teams that are playing very good. Buffalo. 
The Giants and the Jets are playing good football right now. We haven't seen that in a very And Dawson long. Knox just likes to ruin it by saying we're New Jersey. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Knox is a Giant. I'll take Dawson Knox in a heartbeat. Talent-wise, he's as, probably top 12 in the league. As long as he can split reps with Ballinger, that's all fine with me. There you Have go. The two of them. Thank you, Ryan. We really appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate coming on. Ryan Honey. Yes, he was fantastic. Great personality. He knows his Giants, and he's very excited about this team, as well as you should be, yeah. because they should not be where they are today. Maybe the quarterback whisperer coach, Mr. Dable, is going to figure this team out and get this team 8-1 and one before their bye week. Could you imagine this team going a bye week 8-1? and one? Ryan even said it at the start of the interview. He said they were going to go 4-13 and 13 at the start of the year. It's crazy, but you should be excited if you're a Giant fan. No matter what happens this year, it's a win-win. They have nothing at wide receiver, and they're still winning. Maybe some OBJ later in the season. That would be crazy. Landon Collins coming back, and now you bring OBJ back. You bring these two players back, and all of a sudden become one of the favorites to come out of the <laughs> NFC in <laughs> the first year for Dable. That would be hilarious. Not for us Jet fans, but for the Giant fans, you should be excited. I don't know why Giant fans think they're better than the Jets, because they're not, as far as talent is concerned. But all New York sports and New York football has become juggernaut here this year. Yeah, New York football. Dawson Knox. That includes us. Yes. Oh, let's not get into Knox and what he said. <laughs> he could be a Giant. When we come back, we have Chaz and the Boy Boys. One coming in from Greece. Paolo will be happy to talk a little soccer, a.k.a. football with him, as the Greek Maniac will be on with us on Moneyline Mania when we come back here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine. And the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android World Wide Sports Radio Network. Every single week, we get the best handicappers in the country on this show as we call this segment Moneyline Mania. This is Moneyline Mania with Jazz and the crew. Mr. Chaz, how are we doing this week? We're excited for a couple reasons. One, last week is over. Tough week. I didn't do great. I'm not a stupid guy. When I lose, I don't lose a lot of money. When I win, I usually win a lot of money. So that's not a bad combination. I'm excited because we're getting closer to the World Cup. Paulo, who's joining us tonight, is a soccer guy. We went six months where there was nothing to talk about but three countries that had soccer and two racetracks in the middle of the country that were allowing horse races with no people. Not even the owners could show up. The trainer and the jockey were the only two people that could come in the groom, of course, for the horses. That was the heart of the pandemic. Paolo and I did a show every single week, and we learned about all these countries. We're Americans. We're not necessarily all savvy on the rest of the world because we don't really give a crap about the rest of the world. We're Americans. We were talking about like the Faroe Islands, and I had to look it up because I really did not know. I kind of thought it was up in the Northern Circle, but I had no idea where it was. And they have like a small summer, but they have a soccer league, and we were betting on that. So pretty excited to have him come in and talk some soccer with us. I am going to the World Cup at the end of November. I'm going to see Ghana and Uruguay. We're going to be going to Dubai first for a couple of days and then flying to Tatar and experience the first time of my life a World Cup. The guys that 
I'm going with have been there five times. Every four years they go wherever it is and they go on this trip. It's something to experience. My friend Chris, who travels all over the world, told me you have to experience before you have kids. How cool is it that you got some people that have done it? They know the routine. There's a routine. If you go to every NFC Championship game or if you go to every Super Bowl, if you go to a playoff game, there's a routine that soccer has and you don't have to do anything but follow along and not have to worry about getting in trouble. Hopefully, being that we're five Americans going to another third world country, we don't get killed. You can't do stupid stuff. We feel bad for Brittany Griner, right? But she made a mistake. She left her paraphernalia in her suitcase. You gotta shake the bag out, man. These countries, Chaz, you gotta be careful. Chaz, so. do you know me? Anybody knows me personally knows that I'm a crazy SOP. So could you imagine me in another country where people finally get to know me? They're gonna be scared of me. It'll be fun. That's a good game, too, because Ghana and Uruguay, right, are pretty equal. That actually is a very interesting game with Ghana and Uruguay. I don't think that they're going to be contenders for this World Cup. That's the thing about the World Cup. When you go to the Olympics and you get tickets to rowing and you're on a river somewhere and they're rowing, it's still the Olympics. The fact that you're not watching anybody that's going to make it to the quarterfinals is irrelevant. He's going to be in the arena. He's going to deal with that atmosphere. That could end up being a 0-0 game, a 1-1 game, something like that, and you will have the greatest time because you'll get rid of that whole word about soccer is boring because they don't score goals. Soccer's incredible and sometimes they do score goals. The thing is that this World Cup, I was going to go to to Qatar for the World Cup. My lady friend is going down with one of my clients is going down. But the thing is I, I can't bring my dog in cabin. Plus it's in Qatar so I'm passing on this one. But usually I go to World Cup. I, I've been all over the place. This Saudi Arabia thing that just didn't work out because it's a difficult thing down there. Dubai is nice. It's much different than Qatar. You'll enjoy Dubai. What scares yeah. me about this is my friends want to take Dubai. They want to drive six hours to Qatar. I told them, I think it's a little dangerous because we'll probably go through Saudi Arabia and we're Americans. When I was in Jeddah, they didn't let us do very much. It's a whole different ambiance. I have a client that wanted to go down there, but as soon as he hears World Cup in Qatar, a lot of people back off. One mistake, these countries are very strict. The Women's World Cup is going to be even more interesting because it's in a civilized place because this Qatar place you can't even wave a flag you can't do this you can't do that and then you can't bring the dog in the cabin first world problems uh, right what do you mean my dog's got to go in the belly of the plane that ain't happening my wife could go in the belly of the plane but my dog's flying with me you'll like Dubai the beaches are nice the malls are nice not one of my favorite places I've been to I've been all over I've been down to Africa everywhere when we first met Paolo on Sports Betting Weekly he was in Greece he left Greece to go to Canada and then the plague came so he's kind of stuck where he is now. The plans are me and Vicky are going to visit him in Greece. Let's get the Paolo's yeah. soccer place. Okay, my first play that I like Hong Kong First Division. Eastern District SA. This game's going to have goals inside. I don't see Eastern District having much of a difficult time. My second selection is Little Goritz in Bulgaria. Little Goritz is a very strong team. They play in the Champions League so I don't see them having much difficulty beating this team that they're playing with. And my third play, the big surprise of the English Soccer League this year, Arsenal. Could you believe it that Arsenal is leading the league this year? And I think this week 
week against Southampton, I can see Arsenal scoring goals, getting the win, and I also see them scoring at least over one and a half goals, but I do see them winning and continuing their winning ways. That's what I like in soccer. But I talked to Paolo about soccer. We talk about a lot of the live action. Last night on the MLS and my big client stayed up all night overseas in Europe in the MLS, Los Angeles FC that was playing the Galaxy 7-1 to in live play in the last minute the goal scored and they brought it in 7-1 to the biggest winner of the day yesterday besides my Barcelona game which I went perfect 3-0 20-1 in live play we hit one with Chaz Uruguay some of these teams they just score in the last minute for some reason this last minute thing is a big thing so live action is pretty good in soccer. So he told me about yeah, Barcelona, yeah, and they were big, big favorites very, very at the time. Big. I waited, and then he said, I'm also going to bet the first half over a half a goal. So just one goal needs to be scored. Then I get Barcelona at minus 237. They were at minus 7-something. So minus 237 is a lot better because it's 0-0. Zero, zero. Then I go to get my next bet in, and it won't take the bet. Barcelona scored. I won those bets within two minutes. Sean's become pretty good at it. He's actually been hitting some good live play winners in soccer last minute. Goals scored in the last 30 seconds. The NFL this week, two games have caught my eyes. I really think that Tampa Bay is about to break out and score a lot of points against this Carolina team. It's at minus 13.5 right now. Carolina traded McCaffrey. I just see Tom Brady that this is going to be a breakout game. I can see them covering the spread. I don't think Carolina has a defense. I don't think Carolina has an offense. So what do you think about this pick? Carolina is a team that's going to be rebuilding now. They lose Christian McCaffrey in a trade. He goes to the 49ers. So they're not going to have much of a running game. Are you going to trust Baker Mayfield to make the throws? Are you going to expect this Carolina Panther team that's played very good defensively all season long to shut down a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that really got shut down by the Pittsburgh Steelers last week? I don't think it's going to happen back-to-back weeks. I expect Tom Brady to explode. I think it's going to be a completely different Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. I think it's absolutely going to be an absolute shutdown of a media football team in the Carolina Panthers. I think it's going to be an absolute blowout. I think they're done. You took the words out of my mouth. I think this game by halftime's over. Baker Mayfield going against his Tampa defense? Not much. I really like Jacksonville this week. I think Jacksonville's a good play. And if you looked at the game last week that the Jacksonville Jaguars lost against Indianapolis, if only at the end the defense would have just held them down. I mean, they scored points. I think the Jaguars win too. The Giants are having a very good season. The Baltimore yeah. Ravens gave up that game. If Lamar Jackson didn't drop the ball back-to-back times, being up 20-10 to 10 with six minutes left, Baltimore wins that game. I don't think Peterson, I don't think Trevor Lawrence and this team that likes to run the ball and likes to play defense this year is going to lose this game because I don't think they're going to make the mistakes that Lamar Jackson made. Carolina, they've lost against the spread in 12 of the last 13. You could have paid your mortgage. If you hopped on Carolina and just realized bet against Carolina, it got you through 13 weeks of NFL football, every week they lost against the spread except one. That kid made that mistake, the Baltimore quarterback. You mm-hmm. can't make that mistake. High school kids get yelled at for making that mistake. College kids aren't supposed to make it. You can't make it in the NFL. He threw it right in that guy's belly button. They tell you, throw it out of bounds, don't throw back across the middle, and he hit the guy right in the belly button. He made two mistakes back-to-back times, which yep, yep. cost yeah, his team yeah. a chance. And Baltimore's supposed to be good this year, but going into week seven, three and three, that is not what yeah, they expect. This year. I think we might have an upset special. 
I would not be surprised if the Lions going to Dallas. Chaz knows that my upset specials, I've picked 12 to 1. I would not be surprised if the Lions this week going to Dallas and could play a little defense. With the offense the Lions have, the Lions score a lot of points. But the problem is it being the defense. I think the Lions this week at plus seven, either they're going to get blown out or they have a chance to win this game. I have the Cowboys winning, but I think it's going to be a blowout. I, I think Dak coming back, I think he has a lot to prove. He wants to show everybody that he is the quarterback and it is his team. I think he's going to go into this game against the Lions. I think the Lions, the last couple of weeks, their defense has fallen apart. St. Brown is not healthy. He hasn't been healthy really since week two. This is not the same team they were in the first two weeks of football. Jared Goff, who I've been complimenting for the last year and a half, who I couldn't stand when he played for the Rams, he has been absolutely pathetic the last three weeks. I don't know what they're going to do against Dallas Cowboys, especially that defense that's going to get at you. Micah Parsons, I don't know how they score any points in this game. This is a game that either the Lions are in it or it's a blowout. The most interesting game is the Kansas City against San Francisco game. When this game opened up, the Kansas City Chiefs were 1.62 and San Francisco was 2.48. All of us and now the Chiefs are 1.82, San Francisco 2.16. The bottom line is this, the San Francisco 49ers defense can shut down the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs this week, if they just play a little bit defense, they take this game. I think adding Christian McCaffrey definitely opens a lot of paths for Debo Samuel. You don't have to run the ball up the middle with him. You can use him in so many different areas of the line. You can move him in the slot. You can move him on the outside. You can even use him as a decoy, as a running back with Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. You can use Christian McCaffrey is a catching running back wide receiver, so I think it's going to open up the field for them. Nick Bosa will be back this week. This defensive line is going to be healthy. Look at Patrick Mahomes' numbers when he plays against a top pass rushing team. They're not very good. I think he's going to have a lot of problems this week. They are going to San Francisco. The advantage goes to San Francisco, and this might be the first time in a very long time that you see Patrick Mahomes lose back-to-back games, especially this year. I'm leaning a little bit on the Chiefs, but what I'm seeing is exactly what you're saying, that all of a sudden the line is starting to shift because the money's really moving on San Francisco. Mm. I still like the Chiefs, but it's not my top selection. There's a lot of games that appear easy, but they're actually not. Like if you look at the Cleveland game and you look at the Tennessee with the Colts game, I'm not really convinced they're solid favorites, the teams that are taking the money. The only way Detroit beats Dallas is they got to outscore Dallas. Dallas has got a pretty good defense. I think Dallas has more to prove in this game than the Lions do. Nobody thought that the Lions were going to be as competitive as they were in the first two games of the season. I think they're a rebuilding team. I think they still have a lot of work to do. I think Campbell could be fired at the end of the season. Crazy to say that after watching him in hard knocks and work out with his players. But I expected more from this team. I think they have gotten worse. This defense hasn't looked good. This game's going to be close. But one disappointment that I've seen is Jared Goff still making a lot of mistakes. This team should be better than what it's showing Mm. so far. Dallas is going to eat them up. They're like wolves. And once they smell the blood, they're going to attack. And Dak Prescott, I expect to get on that field and have a lot more to prove after Cooper Rush had that four-game winning streak lost against the Eagles last week, which we expected. I think the Dallas Cowboys and the organization wanted Cooper Rush to play in that game. Win or lose, they don't want to deal with the turmoil if Dak comes in and he loses a game and say, we want Cooper Rush. So I think they wanted to prove a point. I'm not sure about Dallas's offense because the last game he didn't look good, but the last, I don't know, year and a half, Dak has not been the greatest quarterback in the history. History of sliced bread. And I think that's what 
of people are questioning his ability to come back from that injury and make the throws. Who's he throwing to besides C.D. Lamb? There's really nothing. Now, they brought back Gallup, and he's played better. He hasn't played with Gallup because in the beginning of the season, Gallup wasn't healthy yet. And Cooper Rush, he is not Dak Prescott. He doesn't have the ability, the throwing arm. I'm covering sports a little differently this year because I'm writing about it. One of the things that I'm noticing is, holy cow, there are a lot of teams that don't have a starting quarterback. They got a guy out there. He's their starter, but he's not good enough to be a starting quarterback because the world doesn't have 32 of them, and I think it blows my mind. I only think there's 15 quarterbacks in the NFL that could start in any other team. The other guys, you could patch it up. Even Zach Wilson, who's played better, and, and he's still young. Trevor Lawrence, we don't know what he is yet. 17 teams are questioning if they have their quarterback of the future. And it really yeah, is amazing yeah, yeah. how and many first-round draft choices don't get a second contract. I think that the biggest disappointment is Baker Mayfield. I don't see how this guy this week is going to put up points against the Tampa Bay defense. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is still a top five defense. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best defenses in the NFL. And Tom Brady still get the job done. Tampa Bay's been having some bad games. I think the only team that can challenge the Buffalo Bills for a Super Bowl is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I disagree. I-, I don't believe Tom Brady is the same quarterback he once was. I think they have a lot of problems offensively. You have all those weapons in that running game that has been good over the last two years with Fournette. Fournette looks old. That running game looks old. I do not believe that this team is good enough. And the only team right now that can challenge the Buffalo Bills is probably the Eagles. And San Francisco adding Christian McCaffrey. And if that defense could get healthy, their secondary has played well. If they can have Christian McCaffrey, he gives them another dimension offensively where they can use Debo Samuel in the open field. I think San Francisco is as dangerous as the Eagles, as dangerous as any team to knock off any team in the NFC. I think they are right now with Christian McCaffrey is just as talented as the Eagles now. The biggest disappointment on the other side is the Green Bay Packers. And the Rams. And the Rams. Coming down to the whole thing, the Buffalo Bills are going to win the Super Bowl. There might be a challenge from the 49ers, but if you look at the Buffalo Bills, they've got offense, they've got defense, and look at last week against Kansas City. Mm. They've been putting up points. I took them when they were 11-1. to The odds for them to win the Super Bowl are down to 4-1. to The Buffalo Bills look very impressive. Even though the AFC has not looked as dominant as everybody thinks they were going to be, I think that whoever sneaks in, whoever's those wildcard teams, I could see the Buffalo Bills getting knocked off. I don't know if I trust this whole team, especially defensively, what they did against the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if this defense is as good as it was last year, and I believe when they start playing those top offenses, especially the running game offenses, and to keep that offense off the field, which some teams can, I think it's going to be a big problem for the Buffalo Bills because they don't have a running game. And that's why I think Buffalo has a deficiency in their game. And when you go into the playoffs, what wins championship? Running and defense. They have the defense, and their defensive line is eh, but they don't have any running game. And Singletary, I'm not betting no, on. That's no. why they should have went well, after you know, You don't yes. want your quarterback. Allen, you, yeah. Championship teams that have running yeah, quarterbacks, they get hurt. And they're missing Micah Hyde. That's a big injury. Yes, Micah Hyde is definitely a bad injury, especially being that he's one of the more underrated safeties in the league. But I think Buffalo is not as good as everybody thinks they are. When they have to play those top defenses and those top running games in the AFC to go all the way to the Super Bowl, I think they're going to have problems. I picked Buffalo and San Francisco to go to the Super Bowl this year before the season started. That's a good matchup. I, I hope it happens because I, I could I, say I was right. No, I see that matchup also because I was impressed a couple of weeks ago by the San Francisco defense, what they did to the Rams. The Rams got no team this year. The Rams are going nowhere. The Chargers still got nothing. Both teams, their offenses are not as good as everybody thought they were going to be. And unfortunately, with the injuries that they have, with 
Slater with the Chargers and then the Rams. The Rams have no offensive line. They might as well just say ole to Matthew Stafford. Yeah, aren't you disappointed in the Ravens so far? Oh. Aren't you disappointed in the defense of the Baltimore Ravens? Oh, oh my God. Their secondary, which was supposed to be one of the elite defenses in the league this year, have been completely a bust. John Harbaugh is going to lose his job if they don't make the playoffs. Oh, the games that they played against the Bengals. The Bengals were moving up and down. I don't know how Lamar pulled it off at the end. Mm. And the Bengals, they're good offensively. But the defense couldn't stop them at all. It's crazy. But, Paolo, Chaz, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate everything. Always be cashing, guys. Look forward to doing it again, guys. Absolutely. Paolo from Greece. Chaz, look at the handicappers that Chaz brings onto the show. These guys are the best of the best. Wes, the Johns, you have to listen to this segment. You can win a significant amount of money. These guys are dead on Moneyline Mania. When we come back, we'll get into the NBA as the New York Knicks coming up short in game number one, but played very well against the Grizzlies. And then last night, knocking off the Pistons, absolutely destroying the Pistons. Very exciting. Basketball's back in hockey. The Islanders 2-2, two and two, the Rangers 3-1. and one. And next week, the first game of Islanders-Rangers Wednesday. I will be there at the UBS Arena. First time I'm going to be there when we come back here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, the wonderful Errol Marks. My co-host, Speedy Petey. You can listen to the show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Only a 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine of the World. Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the Worldwide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android. Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We have hockey back. As the Rangers, in five games, seven points right now. They're playing great hockey Early in the season, and the New York Islanders, four games in, two and two, four points. The Devils, two and two, four points. As the Islanders and the Devils trying to keep up with the Rangers, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Carolina Hurricanes, and yes, Philadelphia Flyers, which was my surprise team this year. Remember that, my friend over there with the Rangers writing Anthony Scopari? <laughs> now, finally, I went... Opposite of you. I remember two years ago, you had Philadelphia to be your surprise team. He sucked two years ago. And now, my surprise team this year, the Philadelphia Flyers. Torts! Yes, Tortorella is now coaching the Philadelphia Flyers. I'm very excited as my Islanders are still keeping good pace as the Rangers play the Islanders on Wednesday at the UBS Arena. I will be there. I will be enjoying it and hopefully see a win. The Beef making fun of him and poking him in the back as the Islanders score and win the game. We'll see what happens. But it's early. The Rangers are dialing on all cylinders. They're scoring goals, 19 goals, and 15 goals against, which is very high for the Rangers. Last year, they had one of the best goals against averages in the NHL. I think they were third in the NHL. Yeah, they were third. Only the Flames and the Hurricanes were better in the regular season. And right now, the Rangers are not playing very well as far as goals against. The Islanders are, and we expect this. They're going to have a better season this year. I know Barry Trotz isn't there, but Lambert is trying to open up the scoring for them, figure out ways that they can put the puck in the net. And they are. They're scoring a little bit more goals, even though they didn't get the offensive player they wanted in the offseason. But they're trying to find their way out of this metropolitan division. But the Rangers and the Islanders playing good 
good hockey, and I expect this to be a close race all the way to the end this year. I think the Islanders will start to figure out who they are as an organization and a team. I think Sorokin is the guy. He should be playing the majority of the games. If you're an Islander fan, you should be excited. If you're a Ranger fan, you should be excited. The Rangers, you're right about the defense. They've been a little iffy so far yeah. against a lot of those uh, Western Conference teams. Yeah. Struggled against Winnipeg. Trouble with Anaheim. Come out a little passive so far. I think Adam Fox has been a little down for his standards to start the season. A little rusty. I think the younger guys have played better. Keandre Miller, I think, has played well. Shesterkin is not on the Vezina Trophy form yet, but he still played all right. Offensively, though, they've been very good. Artemi Panarin already with 11 points to start the season. Three goals, eight assists in five games. The Beef wanted to trade him last year. But yeah, I remember that. Zabanjet as well. Four goals, four assists. And Trocek, two goals, four assists. A new Ranger. Very impressed with them so far offensively, but yeah, defensively, a little rusty to start the season. As far as the Islanders, yes, Sorokin, 2.05 goals against save percentage, 9.35. One and two. That just shows you how good he's played in the first three games of the season. No matter what he does in the net, the Islanders need to score goals in front of him. That's the only way that they're going to win. Sorokin will do his job, and he will be up for a Venzina Trophy this year. Last year, he was a borderline Venzina Trophy nominee. Yep. That was from a team that wasn't playing well in the beginning of the season. The only bright spot the Islanders had was their goaltender in Sorokin. So right. this year, if he continues playing at this pace, we're going to be talking about him winning the Venzina Trophy or one of the lead guys to win the Venzina Trophy. The Islanders need to find a way to score goals. The other night against the Devils, losing 4-1, to one, you cannot lose against the Devils. You're a better team. You can't blame anything on the goaltending. I think the goaltending has done its part. You need offense. They need to find a way to put the puck in. And if the Islanders do that, I think they'll compete with the better teams in the Metropolitan Division. If they don't, there's going to be a problem. For the Islanders, skaters, though, you got to love two things with that. Uh, Oliver Wallstrom, three goals Fantastic. already. Banged up throughout the preseason. And we know how good Wallstrom's going to yeah. be. Robin Salo, two goals as well to start the season. Noah Dobson with four points already offensively and playing some great defense as well. Yes. So Lane Lambert is getting the most out of these youngsters so far. Why that do fine. you think they fired Barry Trotz? Yeah, because Barry Trotz wasn't helping the younger players develop. He is more of an older guy. He likes pushing the older players out there, and it wasn't really solving any of the problems for the weaknesses of the New York Islanders, which they want speed and they want youth. And now you're seeing that with the younger players, the Wallstroms, the Dobsons, the Sallows, the Sorokins. Lamorella wants to see the youngsters develop. He believed that Lambert was going to transition this team for a better movement moving forward in the Metropolitan Division, a very good Metropolitan Division. Right, and even the pace, even when Trotz was there, when the Islanders were ranking all those conference finals, their pace stats were like 27th. They yes. were still one of the slower teams in the league. Mm -hmm. So now they're getting it up there, where at least if their league average with that defense and goaltending could be getting more scoring. And they got 14 goals in four games, which is almost four goals a game. That's pretty good. They're going to start winning because even if they don't score as many goals as the other teams, with this defense, and they have a very good defense, they have six quality defensemen, and they're young. This right. is a young defense. This team is going to be together for the next four to five years. This defensive pairing, Mayfield is the only kid in this defensive pairing that could be a free agent after this year. And they might decide to bring him back. They and he's might. still a 28, I think. Like, he's the oldest one. But they still have a pretty good farm system with pretty good young defensemen right now in Bridgeport. So if they do lose somebody like Mayfield in free agency, they still have a ton of talent right now in their farm system that they can bring up. So if you're an Islander fan, that is something that you want. Because if you want to build your team around young defense and good goaltending, you'll have a very good chance of winning in the playoffs. If somehow the Islanders sneak in as a wild card team this mm -hmm. year, which a lot of people believe that they could. Watch out. Nobody's going to want to play this team. Islander fans will love my pick. I had them at the start of the season, the first wild card yes, team, playing against the Leafs and beating the Leafs in the playoffs. And they will beat the Leafs. <laughs> they absolutely will. Islanders at seven. The way this team could really align up, and maybe Lamorello finds that goal scorer that they need 
at the trade deadline. We've seen Lamorello. He has been the bright spot of finding players at the trade deadline. Two-time GM of the year for the New York Islanders in the five years that he has been there. He understands where this team could be and what this team should be when it comes down to the trade deadline. If the Islanders are competitive and they're right there on the seam of the playoffs, watch. is going to make one move that could really brighten up this team and move this team forward in the playoffs. So I'm excited. Both New York teams could be very fun to watch this year. Expect it to, to be all the way down to the wire and I can't wait. I'm praying. Last time I went with the Beef to watch the Rangers and the Islanders <laughs> play at the Nassau Coliseum, we lost his car for an hour and 15 minutes in a parking lot. This time, ladies and gentlemen, it's at the UBS. There's not much of a parking lot, so I'm sure we'll find his car unless Beef is really that dumb. Again, he could be, but it'll be fun. We're going to be very close by the ice and the glass, and the fans are fantastic over there. Even the Island fans are really, really cool. I can't go to Madison Square Garden, but the Island fans are really, really cool, and they're not going to beat up Mike. As far as the basketball season, I'm very excited. If you're a Knicks fan right now, you should be excited for what you see. Cam Reddish is having a very good early season. You see why Jalen Brunson, the Knicks, wanted to bring him here to be their star point guard. He's playing great basketball. Derrick Rose looks healthy. R.J. Barrett looks like it's taking him a little while to figure things out. I know it's only two games in. Julius Randle might be back to the old Julius Randle, having almost triple-double game number one. This team could be competitive this year and could be a playoff team and could surprise a lot of people. I think they're a piece away from being a contender. Maybe two pieces away. It all depends on what Julius Randle is and if they can move Julius Randle when the time comes. But if you're a Knicks fan, whatever I've seen so far, it's early. Knocking off the Pistons the way they did in their first game at Madison Square Garden. The biggest win the Knicks have had at Madison Square Garden in almost 20 years. It's pretty amazing. Tom Thibodeau wants this team to think defense, 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 like in year one where they were the number one defense in almost every category. The Knicks weren't the top number one defense like they were throughout the season in year one. So if they could get back to that one and two in the league in almost every single category, then you're talking about a team that could be a five or six seed where they could be dangerous in the playoffs. Yeah, and you're looking at even the first game against the Grizzlies, even though they lost. I mean, that's through regulation. Not a lot of points allowed. It's a very talented Grizzlies offense, and they really took over that game in the fourth quarter, but the Knicks were really dominating the whole that. Through three quarters, they only allowed 80-something points, and that's a good sign for that defense, too. And against the Pistons, who a lot of people love as an off-season surprise team, as a potential playoff team this year, maybe like the Cavs of this year type thing and the Hawks of two years ago, they shut the Pistons down, too. Only 25 points in the fourth quarter, so that defense definitely showing. Now, we were talking about younger players getting minutes with the Islanders, and we've seen it now with the Knicks a little bit more with Cam Reddish, who got 19 minutes in that game, yeah. like you were saying. Uh, Obi, scored over 20 points. Obi Toppin getting 21 minutes. He scored 16 points, a plus 25 for that game. I want to see Pistons. these guys play more. And that's the big key for Tom Thibodeau, where last year he was overusing the veterans too much, and they were, looked very inefficient in those instances. R.J. Barrett played a lot better with the younger players as a result. Now, inefficiency still hurting him a little. He was 9 for 25 shooting in that first game. Much better in the second game against Detroit, 8 for 15. Julius Randle scoring a lot, but still kind of inefficient, but almost at a triple-double, so it's something you like to see out of him. And Jalen Brunson, definitely spacing and stabilizing this offense a lot Oh, more. he's going to change this offense. You heard from Julius Randle, because Julius Randle was complaining that he was bringing the ball up a lot last year. So <laughs> yeah, was R.J. Barrett. Now you have a point guard that actually could bring the ball up, control the point guard position, and open up the court for some of their good players. So when you have a good point guard, it makes it so much easier for the other players to do the things that they're good at. So if you're a Knicks fan, good. Now, as far as the Brooklyn Nets fans 
are concerned. There's a lot of concerns with this team. And it's not because of the talent that they have on their team. Because they have talent. They have arguably the best player in the NBA on that team when healthy. What scares me about this Brooklyn Nets team, and they're one and one right now, it's early in the season, is the deficiency of what this defense could be this year. This is not a good defensive team. And what happens when your best players can't score. What happens if Kevin Durant can't put up a 30? Kyrie Irving can't put up a 25, 7, and 6. What then for the Brooklyn Nets? Because Steve Nash already has said about our friend Benny Simos, he has already said that he doesn't care if he hits a jump shot. He just wants for him to play his game. Is he going to say that about all the players? Just play your game, which is not defense. And if this team don't play defense in this Eastern Conference, they're not going to be an elite team. They need to play defense, and they need to find some kind of points. I'm not talking about six or seven points from Ben Simmons. I'm talking about 15 to 17 points a game from Ben Simmons if they plan to win. Because the LeBron James Cavaliers, they got 17 points from our friend Kevin Love and the rebounding. They got Kyrie Irving, which was averaging 24 points a game, and then LeBron James averaging 30. Same thing with Miami. Dwayne Wade was averaging 25 points. LeBron was averaging close to 30. And Chris Bosh averaging about 17. You need that third option to give you at least 15 to 17 points. If he doesn't give you that, where are you going to get those points? From your bench? Give me a break. That bench doesn't shoot out to me from the Celtics of the 90s. This is not a good bench. This is not a prolific offense. And if they don't get at least that many points from their stars, this will be a problem moving forward this season. Well, you want Ben Simmons to score double-digit points. Well, so far that has not been the case. It's been four points and six points so far for Ben Simmons. Fantastic. But he's actually playing. He's finally playing. 23 minutes and 32 minutes, but still not great. But yeah, you mentioned it with Kyrie Irving. In a game when he only had 15 points against mm-hmm. the Pelicans that first game, the Nets only scored collectively 108 points against the Pelicans offense that scored 130 and is an offensive juggernaut with McCollum and Ingram and Zion having that great game. Uh, Zion is a beast. Yeah, Zion is going to be beastly. This year, if he stays healthy... He will be an MVP candidate. You heard it from me. He will be an MVP candidate this year. That's how good Zion is. Pelicans just gave him that extension. But I still believe that he's going to demand his way out. He got his money as well as he should. But he is not staying there with the Pelicans. He wants to go to a big city. His parents himself He wants to build his brand in a big city. His two closest friends are playing in New York together. Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett. So I'm not saying this because I'm a Knicks fan. I'm telling you what's going to happen. Zion will demand his way out of the Pelicans, especially if this team don't make the playoffs this year with C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram, who's fantastic, by the way. Could you imagine the duo that they have and McCollum being your third option? That's ridiculous. Watch out for the Pelicans. Going back to the Nets, though, even in the second game that they did end up winning, though, it was mainly all Kyrie and Durant scoring. Kyrie had 37 assists, Durant had 27, 5, and 6, and their next highest scorer was Nick Claxton, who had a double-double 19 and 11, and barely any guys had double-digit points, including Ben Simmons, who only had 6. So, still not getting a lot of depth from that. Yeah, they're a very star-driven team, and The biggest thing the Nets have to avoid throughout the season is just all the drama they had to deal with in the offseason. If they can do that, they could be a top five seed in the East, maybe. But even so, there's still a lot of flaws on this team, especially when it comes to depth and when it comes to defense. Even against Toronto, who's not a prolific offensive team, is still allowing 105 points. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And uh, like I said, watch out for Brendan Ingram. He's scary good, too. Look at his first two games, averaging 28, 8, and 6. I mean, it's ridiculous. He's playing better than Zion Williamson. People forget how good Brandon Ingram was. He mm-hmm. should have never been traded. The Lakers are going to regret that. You got your championship, but now they're not on a good path. Either. I mean, who would you rather right now? Anthony Davis, Brandon Ingram. I'm taking Brandon Ingram. I'll He's, take the guy that stays healthy, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take the younger guy and the guy that is starting to develop. Okay, it took him a little while, right? But he's developing into a, a star. Pelicans is set up really, really good. I mean, they're better than the Grizzlies now that Zion Williamson is yeah, healthy. They could, definitely could be. Well, I mean, if Zion plays even seventy games, Zion's playing yeah. the whole season, man. He looks great. He looks like he's in shape. He's moving up and down the court. He's playing twenty-five to 20, 27 minutes a game. That's what you want to see from your star. I'm telling you, watch out for this Pelican team. This team is going to be fun. The Minnesota Timberwolves of last year, but better. Ooh, all right. But better. Well, yeah, now they, have a, now they have a full season to put it together. Like, they, they were the, I think, third best record in the Western Conference in the second half. They mm-hmm. got them to the eighth seed in the Without game. Zion Williams. Right. And now they get a full season of it with McCollum and Zion, if he stays healthy, playing a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm telling you, this is going to be a fun basketball season. There's going to be a lot of surprises coming out of the Western Conference. You're going to see a lot of surprises. Because I see the Pelicans. I see the Grizzlies again dominating. I believe Memphis will add another piece to the puzzle at the trade deadline. They're going to help John Moran out. They didn't do it in the offseason. They have a lot of money, and they have a lot of good young players. They draft really well. Memphis has players, and I believe they're going to make a big trade at the trade deadline, and I I wouldn't be surprised if they get another star over there to play with Ja. We know what Golden State's going to be. Portland, I don't know what they are. And that has a lot to do with Nurchik and, and this team staying healthy, but... They lost C.J. McCollum last year, and I think that was a big loss to them. And I believe the Clippers, when Kawhi Leonard figures things out, and he will, when he gets back to the old Kawhi Leonard, watch out for the L.A. Clippers, because I'm telling you right now, the Clippers are the real deal, too. It's been all Paul George, year in and year out. It's not Paul George's team anymore. It's Kawhi's team, and Kawhi will make sure that everybody knows by the end of the season that it's his team. When we come back, Speedy, what do we got? Crunch time! Here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. We are live every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Oh, wait. On 103.9, the Ally News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine of the World. Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the Worldwide Sports Radio app by going to iOS. WWSRN or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Great show, ladies and gentlemen. As always, Ryan Honey from Elite Sports New York and the New York Giants. Yes, our beat writer for the New York Giants. He was fantastic. Thank you to the unbelievable Money Line Mania for joining us, the handicappers that we have on the show every single week. It's been great. Speedy, let's go. All right. It is time for Crunch Time. It's time for Crunch Time. All right. We'll start this one with the Yankees. Buy or sell. The Yankees will win two out of three of their games at Yankee Stadium. I am going to buy it, ladies and gentlemen. I know Yankee fans are probably jumping off the ledge right now. I think they go back to Houston and play the deciding games in Houston. I don't know if they win. But I absolutely believe they'll win two out of three in New York. 
Yeah, I'm going to buy it, too. I had the Astros in seven originally. Now I'm thinking more Astros in six. But you do have Garrett Cole on the mound. I think Nestor Cortez maybe doesn't pitch as well as he did in the previous playoff games, but pitches well enough. I don't think they'll lose at home. That's That crowd This is the first time in a while that they've been there. So I am going to buy that they hang on. I think they'll lose in Houston later. All right. Buy or sell. The Jets will trade one of Elijah Moore or Denzel Mims. Sell. I don't believe it. Denzel Mims will be in that lineup this week, and then he'll be sitting on the bench. The Jets will not trade Denzel Mims this year. Now, they could franchise him at the end of the season, decide what they can get for him in the offseason, or they let him go to free agency. I, I don't think they trade Denzel Mims. And Elijah Moore, he is untouchable right now, so I am going to sell it. Yeah, I'm going to sell it too. I just don't really see any value right now in trying to trade either one of them. Joe Douglas is not somebody that's going to trade somebody just to trade somebody. He's going to try to fleece the team. And Elijah Moore, with the comments he made, there's really no leverage in that situation. The players generally get that, and sometimes it drops off the value. And Denzel Mims, who hasn't played, there's no really leverage for a contender to want to trade for him and get a good value either. So I am going to sell that. All right, buy or sell. Matthew Barzell this season will surpass either his career high for goals, which is 22, or his career high for assists, which is 63. I think he could do both. I really do. I think he could do both. I, it all depends on who they put beside him, and Wallstrom has been back and forth with him. All different maneuvers on that first line, so I think he will score more goals than we've seen him score under Lambert and more assists. So I think it'll be he'll be more offensively sound this year with Lambert instead of Barry Trotz. So I'm going to buy. He will have both. I'll buy one. I don't think he'll get assists because that will relies on a lot on how many players are with you, how much they're going to do on the power play, which has been a struggle for the Islanders in recent years. But I do think he'll do- end up getting the goals because I think he'll be creating more for himself as a result. And that'll end up carrying a lot of games offensively. So I'm going to buy. He'll get the goals. All right. Buy or sell. Two out of three of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and Ben Simmons will play 60 games this season. I'm going to sell it. We've heard what Kyrie Irving wants to do. He doesn't want to play back-to-back games, so which means he's going to possibly play close to 60. I think it's under 60 this year. Kevin Durant can't stay healthy. He's an old man. I mean, he's great, but he's an old man. And Ben Simmons, forget it. I think he's going to find a way to cry about something. So I'm going to sell it. Yeah, I'm going to sell it. I think Kevin Durant is the only one that has a chance if he's healthy <laughs> to play because he doesn't have as much of the overall in-court drama as the other two, but I definitely don't think the other two will, even if they're healthy, so I am going to sell that as well. All right, buy or sell. Both Travis Kelsey and George Kittle will have five-plus catches and 80-plus receiving yards in their matchup this week. I'm going to buy it. Having Caffrey in the lineup this week is going to open up for George Kittle. I think George Kittle has a big game, and we all know Travis Kelsey will always have a big game because he's the number one target for, yes, Patrick Mahomes. So I'm going to buy it. I am going to sell that. I actually disagree with you. I think they're going to use Kittle more as a blocker to get McCaffrey going. I think that'll help open up running lanes, especially with the offensive line injuries that the Niners have. Trent Williams might play this week, but even if he does play, he's not going to be 100%. So I think they're going to use leverage in that. And I think Fred Warner and that Niners secondary, I think, can help contain Kelsey in that one, especially with the other receivers not really being as consistent. So I think it's going to be a game plan point emphasis. So I'm actually going to sell that one. All right, buy or sell. One of the LCS matchups will go to the seven games. I believe both of them could go seven games. I really do. It's crazy. I'm going to buy it. I think the National League and the American League could sneak in and, and go to seven games. The Yankees got to play better, but I'm going to predict the National League more than the American League, so I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it as well. I actually am going to flip-flop what my original picks were. I originally had Padres in six and Astros in seven. Now I'm going to go the other way around. I'm going to say Padres winning in seven. I still trust their depth a little more with their pitching. I think that'll end up making a difference against this Phillies team. I think the Phillies are due for one kind of bull be- bullpen letdown. And I think once they go back home, they'll be a little more comfortable in this, even though they lost game three. And the Astros, I think 
go get it done at home in game six. All right, buy or sell. Lamar Jackson will have more rushing yards than Nick Chubb in their matchup this week. I'm going to sell that. I think Nick Chubb is going to have a breakout game. I expect it. Lamar Jackson needs to figure things out throwing the ball more than running the ball. We know he can run the ball. I think he needs to get everybody involved. So I am going to sell that. I'm actually going to buy this one because the Ravens do have a good interior. Most of Nick Chubb's carries have come inside so far this year. Uh, Kareem Hunt's been a little more of the outside back. And the Browns have also done a lot more with the screen passes. I think Lamar Jackson gets a base Browns defense that does like to rush the passer with the four-man rush. I think that's a good matchup for him to run and him to get going again. He rushes well against the Giants last week, surprisingly, against that outside rushing defense. I think he'll do well in this one. So I am going to buy that. All right, buy or sell. Assuming R.J. Barrett is the number one leading scorer for the Knicks. Julius Randle, somebody else will be number two. Yeah, of course. Jalen Brunson, absolutely buy it. I'm going to sell that one. I think Julius Randle will be the number two. I think Jalen Brunson will still be number three, more of that passing type. I think Obi Toppin, if he plays more, could get there, but Tom Thibodeau is still reluctant to play him more than he should, so I am going to sell that. All right, last one. Christian McCaffrey will have 100-plus yards from scrimmage in his 49ers debut. I buy it. I think he's going to be explosive. I think he's going to make a statement on why he is a 49er, so I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it. I think it'll be more receiving than rushing. The Chiefs have done a better job stopping the run in this game, but I think the motion concepts against those outside linebackers, Nick Bolton in the middle is good, but the other linebackers have really struggled, and those slot corners have not been as good. I mentioned in the three-for-all picks that they've traveled with yards after the catch. I think he'll get probably something 60, 70 yards receiving, even though I don't have the big rushing game for him. So I'm going to buy that he does, but I think it'll be more receiving. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our crunch time. As always, you would like to thank again Elite Sports New York Giants NFL beat writer Ryan Honey for joining us. Moneyline Mania, Chaz and his boys, Paulo, joining us from Greece. That was fun, and we'll have him on again. It's been great. We'll be back next week with new guests, Moneyline Mania. Stay tuned. Speedy, it's been great. Oh, yeah. It's been a great show. All you fans, Congratulations to all the New York fans with New York football. Enjoy football on Sunday. We will. As a Jet fan and a Giant fan, it'll be fun watching our teams try to put up another win. And if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, enjoy. And Cowboy fans, you can kiss your new one. (laughs) Another thing. But anyways, I hope everybody has a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Good night.